0: What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. What do you got to say about Jorge Soler, now Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone, Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports. Wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. And we are part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. Adam, how's it going, sir?
1: Graham, it's going very well. I'm I'm a little tired because I've got my body set on this old West Coast thing with the Braves playing the Dodgers this Mm. week. And I, I thought I could just... You know, say I'm on West Coast time this week and it would work out, but turns out you still kind of wake up when the sun goes up. Well, at least you do. I I do not. Well, I do, but it doesn't matter, Graham, because it's an exciting day in the history of Atlanta's own and Atlanta Sports Podcast.
0: It is, Adam. As we mentioned at the top of the show, just like 20 seconds ago, we are now part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. Officially, we made this announcement that we were going to be part of TPPN about three or four weeks ago. The network officially launched today, and uh, now we begin our partnership with with this fine organization. and We're happy to be a part of uh, part of the team. Uh, we'll, we'll do a little plug for them because uh, they've been really really great to us. So, Pigskin Podcast Network has podcasts for every NFL team, a lot of NCAA teams, fantasy, and betting uh, for football. So we suggest you head over to pigskinpodcastnetwork.com to to see if there's another show out there that you may want to listen to that may be relevant to you other than Atlanta's own. So something that's going to change is that we're going to have a little preview show at the end of the week, basically where we talk to basically the host or the hosts of the team we're playing that week for the Falcons. So we're going to be playing the Eagles week one. We've already made some arrangements with the host of the Eagles podcast on Pigskin Podcast Network to come on the show, give us some info about the Eagles so it doesn't just seem like You know, like it usually is where we're like, well, we don't really know anything about the Eagles this year, but I guess we're playing those losers. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Then we talk about the game like we knew who the hell the Eagles were when we were coming into it and we didn't really know anything. So that's going to change a little bit. But I want to just reiterate this. Um, You know, this show is not changing. Even though we are the Falcons podcast for Pigskin Podcast Network, we are still going to be talking Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and occasionally Atlanta United whenever we feel like it. So maybe once or twice a year. And um, so the show's not changing. We're just going to put a little more emphasis on the Falcons um, at times, particularly during football season. So that that's it. Like it's still going to be the same show. We're still going to be full of shit, and you're you're still going to like it. We hope if you've been listening to us this long. So that's 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 all we wanted to say on that before we get our actual show started. Yeah,
1: we'll still have our our classic uh, arguments over Luke Jackson and our sound quality issues. Those are still going to be the same thing we, yeah. we've got no new equipment or anything no so.
0: you just heard a, a ambulance go by in the in the background and you're, you're still going to hear that or a really a loud obnoxious car with a huge motor it's going to happen yeah
1: it, it is what it is but if anything it's going to up our game because if we're talking to these other people we actually have to do some research on the falcons preseason versus just pushing that off for four weeks until week one like we would have normally done right
0: i actually did watch the first half of the Falcons-Browns game I will say
1: I I did too I'm I'm, I'm actually excited I'm really excited about football this year I think it's the most excited I've been a week before the season in a long time and I think part of it is because of this and I've been following along with the preseason a lot more I mean similar concept to what I would do with the Hawks or the Braves in the offseason and you get excited looking at the roster and what it could be even though I know you're just going to instantly shit on that because you know it's going to be a bad roster yeah (laughs) (laughs) but anywho it should be a fun little, uh, something different for Graham and I to do, talking with these other guys, and hopefully it'll be good for all you users out there as well. Uh, all that being said, we're part of this football network now. Let's start off our first show as a football podcast by talking about the Atlanta Braves.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. That's exactly what uh,
1: TPPN wants to hear right now. Yeah. Well, they told us. They said, you can keep the show exactly the same. We love it. So, so we're like, cool, man. So that's what we're it's, – it's, it's Brave season, you know. Still a week till the regular season starts for football. So we'll get to it. Yeah, exactly. So let's dive in, Adam.
0: The Braves have lost five of their last seven. Uh, in between two losses to the Yankees and two losses now to the Dodgers, we did take two of three from San Francisco – who had the best record in baseball at the time i think they still do but the dodgers are closing in on them pretty fast right now um let's talk about i think we talked about the yankees series that happened when we were recording last time let's talk a little bit about this giant series before we get into the dodgers series um how did you feel about i mean obviously taking two or three of them is big but what did you see in that series that you really liked and uh, hopefully something that the team can continue to build on
1: yeah graham i, f- I felt really good about that series you know you get a first place team coming into town and like they've just been ridiculously good I mean I think they're already over 80 wins on the year and we did get to see Kevin Gossman who we didn't really rough him up as much as I would have liked to we, we got to their bullpen this was the game with the huge I think it was the Dansby double followed by the Soler three-run bomb on the first pitch too yeah new reliever. that was amazing. Yeah, and then, you know, bullpen got the job done. Will Will Smith really shut it down. Shit. That game. <laughs> he got bailed out so hard. Gives up a leadoff home run, then gets another
0: guy on second, and then a deep fly ball to right field, and Jack Peterson has to make a catch in the palm of his glove to bail out Will Smith. But Will Smith gets to save that. him. Will Smith gets to save and keeps his job, even though he pitched like
1: dog shit yet again. Well, I mean, as long as we keep giving Will Smith that, like, a two-run lead. Right. Maybe a we, need, we need a different – Closer, if it's only a one-run lead. Yeah. But two runs or more, he can probably get it done. It's funny, too. It's Maybe like that's the strategy. The first batter,
0: it's like that happened with the, who was it? The Orioles also with Santander. Um, and that's the second game of that series. It's like throws just a meatball down the middle, gets crushed. And then he didn't really pitch that well afterwards, but it was like he kind of like locks in a little bit more after. He's like gets that first home run out of the way, and it's like, oh, man, I got to get serious now. That's just how it comes across.
1: Yeah. No, it, it, it wasn't good. I was watching this that game over at my, my parents' house, and my dad is notorious for not being able to watch any high-pressure
0: uh, Atlanta sports game. He's worse than you in terms of the superstitions. I see where you get it from.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, he he's pretty serious about it, and it, it works sometimes for him. So, like, as soon as Will Smith came in, he walked out of the room.
0: That's what he did in the Sixers-Hawks uh, game, one yeah. of those games. He just, like just it was like sat down in the laundry room or something like some psycho i was like no i think it's he, all right ed you don't yeah, have to like think go he,
1: away i think he just went upstairs re- read the wall street journal sure there's there's other ways he'd like to spend his time i suppose i reckon um my mother feels bad for will smith's mom because of how much people like you scream at her son so you should probably be a little nicer to will smith he has a mother i'm it's the performance I'm critical of. Will Smith, the
0: man, I'm sure is a perfectly decent guy. He's just pitching poorly right now, so I can't let that. I think go. he is.
1: He kind of comes off as a jerk, doesn't he? Like he doesn't look like the most likable guy in the world. I don't know. Th- I don't know enough.
0: I'm not informed enough to make to have an opinion on that. I always just try to give people the benefit of the doubt unless I actually talk to. Them. Yeah,
1: good job not taking that bait there, Graham. No. Uh, but nonetheless, we—I was really happy that uh, my Friday night wasn't ruined by Will Smith. Uh, Saturday was what it was. They—they they had a great. What was his name Webb, the pitcher they had going on Saturday? Yeah, Webb's I been one of the better pitchers in the game. And he was just nasty, shut Excellent. us down. It, Seven
0: innings of, of no uh didn't give up a single run, only give it five hits. He was fantastic. It
1: it happens, but then the most promising thing that happened was the return of Ian Anderson on Sunday. Oh my god. And he was just efficient.
0: Can I tell you how much I loved watching this pitching performance, Adam? It seemed like every single at bat he didn't strike out anybody. He pitched a contact, but he was painting the corners. Seemed like everybody who came up was just lightly hitting the ball to second or third base, on the ground, no problems. He went five and two thirds innings, only walked two, and uh, he he was just unbelievable. I mean, it was like he had never—it's like he hadn't missed any time. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. Gave it four hits, got into a little trouble in the sixth, but you know, through eighty-six, it was his first start back through eighty-six pitches, and looked excellent uh, most of the time. I mean, just just the. the Sheer amount of weak contact was unbelievable. It was like it seemed like every freaking batter was just lightly hitting the ball on the ground. It's beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, I mean that that was just huge to see because you know he we want him slotting in as our our number three starter going forward. I would agree. So and the fact that he looked fresh, you know he was crisp. He he had a couple really good rehab starts in Gwinnett, so he looks good to go, which is great to hear. And I feel like it's still a bit of a trend with our offense where they get shut out one day and then come up and put up nine. The next day so it's still a little bit of feast or famine so we did get to see eddie rosario's debut in this series and he got the start on sunday rosario you will recall was the guy that came over from cleveland in the pablo sandoval trade so and he he had a big triple in this game drove in two runs two hits so good to see him out there just another depth piece that we can start platooning more out there or do what you got to do. So great great to see him get into action. But, you know, I felt really good about that series. You know, the, the Yankees series was what it was. We played them tight that second game. And now we roll to the Dodgers. Our greatest nemesis, I would say. If you think about it, they just kick our ass.
0: I mean, I know we won the first series against them when they came to Truist Park earlier in the year. But if you look at it historically since 2013, they just, they just, they just whip our asses. They beat us in the playoffs in 2013. 2018, and of course last year 2020, and I think we've lost like eight of the last nine at Dodger Stadium, and we just don't play well there ever.
1: Yeah, I mean, even when they they weren't this good, that's always just a tough trip. I mean, just going out on the West Coast in general is is tough, and this schedule is it's caught up to us. So I, I was I cringed a little bit uh, re-listening to the podcast from last week where you said something about how we, we've got this locked up. This division, I believe you were talking about. And it's a little premature because was, yeah. the Phillies have the weakest schedule in major league. Th- this isn't I'm, me just looking at it and like subjectively saying it. It is statistically the weakest schedule out there. And we've just hit this really tough patch on the West Coast. Like, you know, the Giants, obviously first place team, Dodgers are the Dodgers. Now we go to Colorado, who's like, oh, maybe Colorado's. Not a great team, but they play awesome at home.
0: Yeah, forty-three and twenty-two at home.
1: So that's problematic. And then I think we're home. We get the Marlins and Nationals again. Thank God. Yeah, that'll be good. But then back to the West Coast right after San Diego. San Diego and got to go to Arizona, which you know Arizona's not a great team, but still, it's it's a lot of traveling to the West Coast at all at once. Yeah, you just kind of wish that we could have just you know play L.A
0: play Colorado, play San Diego, like, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, and then just be done with the West Coast. That would have been yeah. preferable, but what are you going to do?
1: So, and the the Phillies are coming back. They've won four in a row. Five in a row now. Five in a row? Oh, they won today already? I think last week oh, was, was yesterday. their game. My, facts game were, my stats were just a day off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's... They're only two and a half games back. Right, and we only play them one more time this year. Yeah. So, we got to be careful. We, it, we're recording this before... The third game of the Dodgers series, so hopefully we can take care of business there with Max Fried on the bump versus Scherzer, who we have hit pretty well in the past. So we got a chance tonight, and then I would be completely content with 3-3 three and three against the Giants and Dodgers in general. We, we just need to tread water here for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I want to jump into
0: some, uh, some controversial things, and I know it's going to upset you. Um, Are you getting political on me, Graham? I'm not going to get political on you. We don't really do that on this show. But, actually, I want to just throw some hate towards Jeff VanCore and Chip Carey for a second. Hate, 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 hate. Um, who, For those that don't know, called the Braves for Bali, Bali Sports, or how the hell you pronounce it? Bali. Bali. I've heard Bali on the commercial. I think you're wrong. But I don't really care about that. That's not the point. Anyway. So when Ozzy last night, there's a big thing that happened to Ozzy. Ozzy fouls a ball off, 96-mile-an-hour fastball into his kneecap. He's writhing on, on the ground in pain. We find out later that the x-rays came back negative. Thank God he was pulled from the game. But, we, you know, I was concerned that he, like, shattered his damn kneecap because, like, Bueller throws smoke, and he literally there was no padding on his knee. It looked bad. So Ozzy's on the ground writhing like a, a wounded animal who's been shot and needs to be put out of his misery. And what Chip and Jeff said was not only insulting, but was devoid of any semblance of intelligence or insight. So Jeff Francois just like, oh, man, well, uh, geez, I, I guess that's got to hurt. And just like the most plain way, it was just, I was like, well, yeah, obviously. Like, what, what are you adding to the, to the conversation here? Why don't you just shut up and let's just watch and see what happens? And then to top it off, Chip Carey, uh, you know, and everybody knows that I don't really like him at all as a commentator. Just goes, uh, "Oh yeah, you know when you take a 96 mile per hour fastball off the knee, you can, you can understand why he's down." I was like, "Well, yeah, no shit, guys. You must have graduated the top of your class."
1: I mean, that was ridiculous. Just don't say anything. You get, come off as insensitive losers. That's not as bad as I thought it was going to be on on 680 the fan today. I believe it was Domino and Cellini were legitimately griping about. How it was a bad look for him to get carried off the field. I don't like, like he's not tough. Oh, well, that's
0: ridiculous. Yeah.
1: That's, I think it's, it's it's important. I think
0: it's great that the trainers did that so you don't put any more stress on the damn the, his damn knee. It, think about what happened with Acuna. Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, I usually like Domino Chilean, but I think that's a, that's a bullshit boomer take right there, man. It's a bad take. Yeah. It's like, take. what, what? Are we going to be talking about this in a week? Oh, it's a bad look for Ozzy. He comes off as a wimp. It's like no, we're not. We're we're concerned about if he's going to be able to play or not. Obviously, he's a tough son of a bitch, and just because they helped him off the field doesn't mean he's he's a loser. I mean, that's pathetic. That's a pathetic take.
1: Scared the hell out of me, Graham.
0: Oh yeah, it scared me too. I was like, well, Christ, man. I I, I I walked out of the room for about five minutes.
1: I was sitting on the same couch I was sitting when uh, Acuna tore his knee up. So I was like, gotta stay off that
0: couch, bro. I I guess so. (laughs) So I gotta start
1: sitting on the futon. Um, Sit on the floor naked, maybe that'll help. If you say so, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do anything for Atlanta professional sports. I know you will. But yeah, thank God X-rays came back negative. Ozzy, I'd imagine, to be out a few games.
0: Yeah, they they don't think he's going to have to go on the injured list, so that's good news.
1: Uh, get Adrianza in there; he'll fill in admirably for him. And uh, yeah, but we, we we need him back. That's for yeah, that's for sure. We do. So now, Adam, I'm going to get to the actual controversy here. I have bone to
0: pick with Brian Snicker. And it's something I've brought up before. And I want to preface this with saying I like Snicker. I think, especially as a culture clubhouse guy, the culture he has cultivated is outstanding. His players love him. He produces winning results at the end of the day. But I think there's one thing that keeps him from being a truly championship quality manager. Can I guess? Go ahead.
1: I'm thinking of what you would say. I'm, I'm guessing loyalty to veterans?
0: Yes, and I'm going to explain why without coming off as an asshole, hopefully. Oh, so wow. We'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> hopefully. So, so, I'm going to start with Drew Smiley. Smiley should no longer be in the rotation. He's a 4.75 ERA overall. He gave it four homers to Los Angeles last night. All of these pitches were meatballs down the middle in the low 90s. One thing that was interesting about Charlie Morton's start was that Morton was throwing a little bit in the middle of the plate at times last night, even though he looked outstanding overall but he can get away with that because he pumps it in at 96 97 miles an hour drew smiley's throwing the ball 91 92 miles an hour maybe 90 miles an hour and it's like he just doesn't look good he can't get out of the fourth inning consistently and i don't really care that he hadn't lost a start in 14 consecutive appearances that doesn't matter to me he doesn't have it he's allowed 27 homers this year and that's good for fourth worst in the in the national league uh, according to our friend David O'Brien at The
1: Athletic. Why don't you tell the users out there who's number one in home runs right now? It's uh, Mike Fultonavich. Yeah. That makes me feel Which good. Which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But so
0: you so now if, if you're listening, you're like, well, yeah, Smiley's not the best, but who are you going to replace him with? I'm like, well, there's a much better option out there who's proven himself so far through eight starts this season, just Tuki Tucson, who for some reason has been moved to mop-up duty. He pitched in the 9 nothing game in San Francisco. He has a 360 ERA this year, of the 1.15 whip, and has a 45 strikeouts of 15 walks. This shouldn't even be a discussion. And it's just basic stuff like this, and it's a recurring theme. It's like when it comes to player evaluation, he makes incredibly odd choices that seem rooted in how things look on the surface, as opposed to utilizing any sort of critical thought in his decision-making. And, you know, I'll, I'll bring up Will Smith again. Will Smith, 5.84 ERA in August. Five home runs, nine walks, and has only had three clean innings in his last 13 appearances. But it doesn't matter because he's converted, uh, you know, he's only blown four saves this year. You're here. And that's stupid. How can Senate see the performance on the field and not <clears throat> realize that continuing to use Will Smith in this role is detrimental and continuing to use Drew Smiley is also detrimental when you have perfectly viable replacements that are available? And this the Smiley and Will Smith thing reminds me of Dallas Keuchel in 2019. Veteran pitcher who wasn't terrible for us, but he wasn't as good. As one of his counterparts in rotation. And that's Mike Soroka. Keikel gets two playoff starts in the LDS. Even though he has a 501 ERA on the road during the regular season. They didn't take that into consideration. And realize he pitches like shit on the road. But because he's a veteran. He gets two starts over Mike. Who had a much better season than Keikel He had a 5-7 war compared to Keichel's 2-7 war. He was an ace. He was our beast. But Soroka was a rookie. And we don't want to put too much pressure on him. But, you know, in Soroka's one start, he goes seven innings with seven strikeouts. He only gives up, like, one run. So championship manager, to me, does not pull this loyalty crap. He thinks about the, what's happening on the field. He thinks outside the box. That's how the Nationals won in 2019. They rode their horses, man. They rode Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. They put them in starting roles, relief roles. They thought outside the box. They didn't use anybody who wasn't performing. I've never seen Snet try something like this or do something like this in the playoffs.
1: Try something like what?
0: Like, use use your best pitchers. Use them repeatedly. Push them to the limit.
1: Run them into the ground. Give
0: yourself the best chance to win. Play it. There's no fucking tomorrow.
1: He's quick to go to the bullpen during the playoffs. So that's, if if a starter's struggling, he is quick to get him out of there.
0: I would agree with that. I'm just saying, like...
1: But I, I think that the Keichel, he, he Yeah, okay, good. Sorry. I, I think that the Keuchel Soroka example is... Very good. Uh, I also think that, you know, Smiley's filled his role in the fact that we brought in Morton and Smiley because of all the injuries we had last year. And True. We needed veterans that are going to pitch every five days. But and but
0: Morton, I think you expected to be a top-of-the-rotation pitcher, which he has been.
1: Right. Yeah. Smiley, not necessarily, but right. you needed the depth. Yes. With that, we had Josh Tomlin as, like, our third-best starter at one point last right, year. which is terrible. And I do think that Snicker, like, his comments after Smiley's game – they, they've they certainly changed a little bit. Yeah, it I was
0: telling. It wasn't like, we're just going to run them back out there. No. So that's good. Yeah. But I don't think we should even gotten in that scenario. It should have been, Tukey's been pitching his ass off, throw the kid out there.
1: Right? I mean, we'll see. I, I do think Tukey's going to be pitching against, he's supposed to get a start against the Rockies coming up. So if he's clearly the more dominant pitcher. Yeah. No, no you can't look at Smiley. Yeah. Especially, like you said, he's only throwing 91-92 right now. 90-91. Yeah, so he was at like ninety-three, ninety-four. Right. So some of those pitches right in the middle of the plate, maybe you get a pop-up on them throwing ninety-three, ninety-four, Maybe. Because they, they were off of his – they weren't hitting his off-speed stuff at all. But, you know, it went to the point where he thought that they were – he was tipping his pitches somehow. He just couldn't believe how on all of his fastballs they were. It's like, like throw well –
0: Pitches like that to the best lineup in baseball, that's yeah, what's going to happen. They're,
1: they're going to be on it. So I certainly hope that – Tukey does continue to get that opportunity because Smiley just doesn't have it. Like you can't, you can't throw him against the Dodgers. No. Yeah, maybe you can throw Smiley out there against the Marlins or the, or the Nationals, but but he doesn't deserve a
0: turn in this rotation when we have five pitchers who are better than him. He should be in the bullpen.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and and now we finally got the the phantom injury for Josh Tomlin. Yeah, a neck yeah sword side of the neck or whatever that, that came out of nowhere yeah so it was probably he got the option of do you want to be dfa'd or how's that neck right josh yeah
0: oh it's a little sore a Little sore isn't it but they just like started feeling his neck and he's like what are you guys doing and he's like oh i i get it now
1: so so maybe we'll actually get what we want here and maybe tukey will just dominate against the rockies and smiley will fill that tomlin role and we'll all be hunky-dory. Yeah, I think that's what but, should happen. But there's no way he's like, it's not like he's going to give Smiley a playoff start, you know? Dude, nothing
0: would surprise me with with the way Snicker likes
1: his veterans. There's play. no
0: way. I hope not. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I just don't like it. I just feel like that's, like when you're going to play Los Angeles Dodgers, and they're as good as they are, you cannot screw around and say, yeah, Drew Smiley gives me a better chance to win than Tukey Toussaint. That's, 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 that's piss poor to me. And that's just—it's just more stuff like that that just reminds me of— Snicker just does, makes these little decisions that wind up, you know, being pretty huge and big games or big series. And, it, and, it's, and it's frustrating because I, I really like him. I like what he's done. But it's just when it comes to actually thinking critically about things, he doesn't do it. I will say the same thing about Ozzie Albies. I'm the biggest Ozzie Albies fan. Maybe not in the world, but I, I love the kid. I bought his jersey in 2018. He captured my heart. I only buy jerseys of players that I really, really care about. And this is when Acuna was coming on, too. I was like, no, give me Ozzy," And he's not a good leadoff hitter. He's only hitting .239, .294, .450 in a leadoff spot, and 109 at bats. Having a guy at the top of the order who has a sub-300 on base percentage as your leadoff man is inexcusable. And the Braves' offense has not been really tearing it up because Ozzy is setting the table. It hasn't happened. And Ozzie has never hit well in in the leadoff spot you know 239 this year 200 the year before 234 the year before that he's not a good leadoff hitter stop it and now you're asking me who's going to be the leadoff hitter Jack Peterson even though he's not the best player in the world when he came over here and was playing every day and was it was the leadoff guy he hit over 300 in the leadoff spot I don't know why you you mess with success there I mean maybe it wasn't going to be sustainable but he has hit in the leadoff spot this year over 200 uh, at bats in leadoff spot, and he had a 318 on base percentage and hit two, 260. Nothing world beating, but a hell of a lot better than what Ozzy's giving how, us. Right how many now. games was that? That was 219 at bats. So it's like half a season.
1: Wait, batting leadoff for
0: us? Not for us, overall this year. Oh, okay. For us, he hit over 300 over two weeks. Oh, with the Cubs, he bat leadoff? Yeah, the all Cubs, he made bat leadoff as well. So half a season, he's spent in leadoff spot and done a decent job.
1: I think he's just a platoon guy at this point. But he there. shouldn't be. He shouldn't be platooning
0: with Heredia. Heredia hasn't hit above like 165 since June.
1: Heredia doesn't give you well, really I, I, I think Her- Heredia is getting pushed out, with especially with Rosario there now. What did you think about that outfield we had the other day with Duvall in center, Peterson in right, and Zolaire in left? That's what it should be every day, I, I like,
0: think. I liked that. Um, I really like Jock a lot. I think he should play as much as, as he can because we're going to need if we go to the playoffs this year we're going to need him he has a 1000 career ops when he plays in the uh, postseason he's a guy that turns it on and he's a solid player other than that too
1: i do like jock but i think you have to go with a guy that you know is going to play every day so maybe it's time to put dansby in that leadoff role he's performed fine there before
0: i would i would be interested in that too and i'm also wondering why he gets dropped to sixth i mean darnell is a good player and he's done well since come back, but dansby's hot as anybody other than austin riley
1: he's kind of cooled off a little bit since the
0: yankees but, but yeah. that's like a week ago right i mean he's been since july man the yeah it's been unstoppable i
1: would kind of like swap those two put ozzy further down yeah dansby at the top he
0: seems more comfortable actually he's had his best numbers this year hitting third but i mean that's not going to happen with with freddie but i would rather see ozzy fifth or sixth and move Nansby up. I agree. Would you agree or disagree that Snipker lacks kind of like the the killer championship mentality, or, or I don't even know what what to call it, but sort of that little X factor gene when it
1: comes to some of these decisions. I I would not agree with that statement broadly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think he's made some decisions that you're gonna second guess, but you know how many decisions is he? made that another manager wouldn't have made that have put us in a good position
0: but it seems like these are very obvious and clear things that you should be able to figure out and execute
1: what's what's very obvious
0: and clear dallas keichel versus mike soroka very obvious and clear soroka was miles ahead of of keichel the whole season every scenario i've come up will smith has pitched like dog shit since the middle of july he's still the closer for some reason he has a six era in august Makes no sense. Why is Ozzy at the top of the order? We won nine games in a row with him up there. But it wasn't because of him. He didn't set the table at all at him. The other two, three, four, and five guys have been playing out of their freaking minds.
1: He had a walk off home run, so part of that was for yeah, but from it, him. Yeah. Because but, he was hitting first. But
0: he hasn't been the one to really kill it, even though it's not the reason we are winning is not because he's at the top of the order. You look at what everyone else is doing, that's why we're winning. Ozzie hasn't made as many big contributions as Soler, as Freddie, or as Austin Riley. It's not because of him. Think about it, if Dansby had been switched to the number one spot the way he's been hitting, how much even more lethal the offense could have been.
1: But then you're missing all those RBI opportunities that Dansby True. won games because of that. Like, But I,
0: I, I, but we're not doing any favors by having a
1: guy who's going it, up there it, with a sub-300 on base percentage in
0: first. You can't deny that. It's you can't deny that. That's, that's, that's actual... Facts. I'm throwing it in your face here. It's
1: a hundred sixty two game season. When you win nine games in a row, you don't mess with it. Like Well, there are, when there are parts he, that aren't working. He, okay, so Jock Peterson hits three hundred for two weeks at the leadoff spot. Let's mess with it. Why? Because we signed three other outfielders after that. Jock was hitting leadoff when we had Heredia and what's his face who's in the minors down there. Like, why why the, mess with success? The lineup change. We weren't we 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 were losing every other game with Jock batting leadoff.
0: But there were other there were other mitigating factors contributing to that. It wasn't just be, but Jock was not doing anything to deserve to lose his, his job as a leadoff hitter. He's hitting over three hundred.
1: We brought in Adam Duval and Solaire. That's why he lost his everyday job. You can still play him with those guys. He plays a lot, but
0: you're not giving me any facts here. You're, you're not. You're going based off. Of you're going to play. I give you. You're
1: going to play Jock over Solaire. No. I
0: will play him over Duvall every once in a while.
1: Every once in a while? That sounds like a platoon.
0: So if my outfield is Solaire, Duvall, and Jock, I'm good with that.
1: Do you have Jock's numbers against lefties pulled up? He's 258,
0: the 346 on base percentage. That's pretty good. He's only hit two home runs, but those are solid numbers. 14 of his home runs have come against right-handers. And what, what has Duvall done against lefties? Duvall matches left-handers. We know this. I don't even know look anything up. Duvall also <laughs> hits like 220, you know, with, with a shitty on-base percentage. He provides value with his power and with his glove. Duvall should play every day, mostly because he's an excellent defender.
1: And he's just clutch. He's got he, the, he, he's got he has that a clutch X-tack. gene. Yeah.
0: But I feel like Snicker is making changes to this team that aren't benefiting the team with Ozzy, with Smiley, with Will Smith. I don't see how you can defend any one of those moves.
1: I don't. I don't have any stats for you, Graham. I'd, I just think this is you're getting a little too worked up over. I, I, I hear you. I've acknowledged most of what you said, but I'm not going to talk in circles around you. I, I don't. I don't think. I I agree. Smiley shouldn't be in the rotation. Okay. And uh, we have four viable outfielders. Jock's not going to be in there every day. It's the way of the road, Bob. But he's
0: a better player than who? Than I would say than Rosario. Rosario's had a pretty awful year this year.
1: Well, that's what you said about Soler when Soler came here. True. Like I mean, look look at their history and what what kind I'm of players. I'm just saying the guy was been. sitting
0: 300 at the leadoff spot. Don't fuck with it. Ozzy's sitting 230 at the leadoff spot. Why? He's never performed well there. If you look at the historical data, there's no reason to do that. And it's put him. Uh, he doesn't do well. Okay, Graham. Point made. It's, it's a bad move. Point made. I think that this Rockies series is going to be really important. And uh, Philly is not as dead as I thought they were. They just looked like they were in shambles after they lost like four games in a row to the Diamondbacks. But things can change, and you're right. With that easy schedule, the vision is far from over. All right, Adam, let's give the people what they want. Talk about your 4-12 and 12 Atlanta Falcons from last year. I forgot they were that bad, to yeah. be honest. Although eight games decided by one score that we all lost, I think, except maybe one.
1: God. Nothing was worse than that, that
0: Cowboys game last year. Yeah, when the team forgets how to recover an onside kick and just stands around like a bunch of dinguses. If we win that game... Maybe things could have, you know, been a little better than they were last year. That was the worst single play I've ever seen in the history of football.
1: I like it's the only time I've ever felt embarrassed to be a fan of a team, like straight su- up
0: embarrassed. I'm surprised you haven't felt embarrassed before that as an Atlanta sports fan. But, but yeah, they- that that was that was like you don't know the rules. They were literally standing <laughs> yeah, exactly. around. They were standing around like it was a punt. You know, they didn't want to pick it up because they were the punting team. They're like, oh, you want the ball to keep rolling? They're just standing around with their hands up. Like they were in a hostage situation. It was pathetic.
1: Yeah, like blowing blowing the Super Bowl, which I kind of feel okay talking about now. Like <laughs> that's something that happens. People blow Super Bowls. Yeah, it, w- it was in a brutal way, but it wasn't just not knowing the rules.
0: Yeah. You know? Not knowing the rules comes off like Dan been fired
1: like right there. It was you know, not knowing pretty standard strategy to run the clock down when you have a big league. Like I would I would do that in Madden two thousand five. Sure put TJ Duckett in there and just run it up the middle all day but hey you know we had a big good passing offense that year things like that happened but yeah onside kick was brutal four and 12 was brutal but it's 2021 now and guess what Adam the guy
0: who was responsible for both of those losses is gone
1: yes no more
0: Dan Quinn thank god and yeah I did watch the first episode of hard knocks finally and uh, I kept waiting for the whole Quinn dropping F-bombs things. I was like, when is this going to happen? And I was like, we're already in the, the damn preseason game. And then he's like, let's fucking go out there. let fucking show them. this fuck,
1: fuck, fuck. I was like,
0: he says, fuck more than I do. I was like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Who knew? And then I love people's responses, or, or lack of response to him just yeah, uh, dropping F-bombs. It's like, no one's getting hyped up. No one's saying anything. They're just looking like, you know, they just told their mother's dead or something. It's pathetic.
1: They're, they're probably looking at him. It's like, man, you didn't run the, <laughs> you were up 28-3. They didn't run the ball. Yeah, you didn't
0: tell your team to dive on an f- on I guess, and a lot of those people on that team are probably probably very familiar with them because of that, because it happened against Dallas. Well, and they have a lot of ex.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good point. And they have a lot of ex Falcons okay. as well. Yeah,
0: Keanu Neal is over
1: there now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Graham. So you also watched this uh, the third and final preseason game against the Browns?
0: Yes, I watched the first half.
1: What a boring game that was, huh? My God. I, I, <laughs> well, I got
0: to the end of. I got to the end of the first half, and I was just like, man, I just don't want to watch this anymore. This is just brutal. Um, So I didn't. I turned it off.
1: (laughs) I stuck around because I I really wanted to see Josh Rosen. Yeah, and from watching the
0: the highlights, he did a, I think, for coming in there that week, did a hell of a job. He's also the first Falcons quarterback to throw a freaking touchdown in the preseason. So that was nice. It was also great, too, because even though we lost, and even though preseason losses don't matter, really. Um, we lost a respectable win, so it was like nineteen to ten. It didn't look too bad when you, you pick up the paper or open the computer in the morning.
1: Yeah, it was just so clear watching Rosen versus Franks. The Rosen's actually like a viable quarterback, like well, he, at least more than Franks. He, like it, correct, but I I, I kind of like Josh Rosen a little bit. Like he to come in, like you said, to come in on Wednesday. He had like two practices and. Knew most of the plays like that that were called for him, and like his arm, just like he's a viable number two quarterback that could possibly win us a game if we're in a pinch. It's mm, a big, big statement for a preseason game, but I would say out of all
0: the quarterbacks I watched this year in the preseason, he was the best one. I would have what was baffling to me is when the fifty-three man roster was announced. Terry Fontenot was pulling some Thomas Dimitrov shit and wants to have three quarterbacks on his team. I do not understand that. Franks and Rosen both make the roster.
1: This is not a time for you to do a Graham freakout because they've been very clear this entire time that the 53 man roster that is out there now is not the final roster. And Franks is most likely going to get practice squatted
0: so at why not some do point it now, though.
1: Because, <laughs> because you're looking to see who's on the waiver wire. You, like, this is a fluid process. But you can call some backup. Be- veterans get cut. Yeah. You see if you can sign them. Oh, see if Cam Newton
0: got cut at him. Remember we were talking about that last week. Everyone on Falcons Twitter yesterday was going nuts about Cam Newton. Being like, we should sign Cam Newton. Some idiots out there are even saying, oh my God, he'll be better than Matt Ryan. And I was like, have you seen the shell of a man that Cam has become? He is a far cry from that
1: MVP season when they took the Panthers to the Super Bowl. He's
0: pathetic. He can't throw the ball more than four
1: yards now. You know, I was talking to intern Jared about this yesterday. And like, he actually liked Cam for his one year with the Patriots. Let's not watch past week five. I, I think something about his leadership, and I don't know. I, I Leadership? I don't have the Cam Newton numbers in front of me. I remember watching a couple games, and he didn't look good at all passing. But he is not the Cam Newton that he was six years ago, and him coming to Atlanta would be the worst possible thing we could do because, you know, as soon as Matt Ryan throws a pick in the first game, or it could be the third game, or the sixth game? Like, if he throws his first pick in the sixth game, Cam Newton needs to come in. Put him in the game right now. He's so much better than Matt Ryan. Yeah. And I know this because I talked to Hugo on the phone yesterday as well and mentioned that Cam Ryan... Cam Ryan. <laughs> and I mentioned that Cam Newton got cut. He's like, oh, Falcons should pick him up. Matt Ryan's the worst quarterback in the league.
0: Well, we all know Hugo is just a Matt Ryan hater. I, and No matter what. You could say... He, he could submit that you should be the damn first string quarterback and he would think that's a valid opinion
1: over Matt Ryan possibly yeah, exactly because yeah. I played backyard quarterback with well front yard quarterback with him and Sam Crochet in 2009 and threw a couple touchdowns in a row right so that's all he needs to see
0: yeah let's forget about the guy that consistently throws for 4,500 yards every year with a shitty offensive line with no running game
1: let's forget about that guy but Cam Newton coming to Atlanta would be terrible i there's not really many other, There's like RG3s out there 42-year-old Josh McCown. McCown. I like Rosen. I think Rosen is, like I said last week, he's 24. He was drafted top 10 overall because he has top 10 talent. He seems to be very humbled. In some of his interviews after the game, he was just talking about how basically he was kind of just riding high on his laurels of being drafted number 10 overall. And he's just talking about how much he's matured as a person. And it just seems like this is a good opportunity for him to come in be behind Matt Ryan and maybe Arthur Smith can turn him into something. But
0: maybe I, I I'm not gonna overreact to one preseason game and say yes that's our number two quarterback. But it
1: was encouraging
0: when I actually did go back and look at the highlights and the reads. And like we said, coming on Wednesday and do all that it's impressive. Um, and I guess we'll see what happens after all. You know the cuts have happened for everybody. I know some moves have already been made. I know we already made a move to pick up an offensive lineman from the Browns, Colby Gossett, who I know nothing about, so I won't really talk about that. But the point is that things are happening, and people are also getting injured. Kendall Sheffield, who I would say is one of our more decent cornerbacks. He's unfortunately on injured reserve. Josh Andrews, who was competing for a a starting position on the offensive line, also on injured reserve with a broken hand. So, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, Kendall Sheffield making the roster in the first place was a little surprising because he hadn't really practiced all year or, but, or but, played in a preseason game. But he's been solid but, when but he, has he played. But he's been IR'd. Yeah. So and with the Josh Andrews and Josh Andrews was gonna be our starting guard. So that's why we b- brought in your boy Gossett. Yeah, my boy. As a <laughs> as he he's a depth piece. You know, maybe Jalen Mayfield or Drew Drew Dahlman fills in, but at least it sounds like Andrews, it's not super serious, the broken hand. Like, it was a minor procedure. Yeah. So, that's good news, I guess. But this leaves a roster spot open. And then there's probably going to be another roster spot opening up, assuming that Franks gets put on the practice squad as well, which I don't think you're going to carry three quarterbacks. And one name I wanted to bring up T Graham, that's not Cam Newton – Desmond Trufant no he was cut by the Bears yeah for good
0: reason he's not good anymore
1: no just like that
0: yeah just like that I've seen enough of him in his quote unquote shut down corner shit that, that, that's he hasn't been a shut down corner in four years I don't, I, don't, I don't need him I don't want him
1: have you seen the rest of our corners
0: yeah no they're all they're all terrible but I don't want to bring in Desmond Trufant on a team that you know in my opinion Thank you, is Grant. in the midst of a rebuild there's no reason to bring in a guy like that play the young guys let them suffer you know, let them learn, let them suffer. I don't need Desmond Trufant, you know, taking up a, a a roster spot on this on this football team.
1: Yeah, we certainly need to add another. I mean, even even with adding your boy Gossett. <laughs> I want to go a big Gossett fan, Colby Gossett, baby. Uh, yeah, we need to add another offensive lineman. Still, I w- I was surprised that we're only carrying three running backs. I like the word Caleb Huntley did.
0: Average four point six yards a carry. He had ninety one yards on twenty six touches. Pretty damn good. I would like to see him make the roster over a guy who just learned how to run again, who hasn't really shown much in, at the NFL level. Um, even though I know he has more experience.
1: Well, it's not. You're talking about Allison there, right?
0: I'm talking about Allison versus Huntley. I would prefer to see Huntley on the team. Looks like. I mean, yeah. It's the preseason. Can't overreact to anything in the preseason. But just based off of what I saw from. What, what I've seen from Allison over the course of his career, what I saw from Huntley, I know it's, you know, he's the new guy and he looks good and
1: everybody likes him. It just seems like he's a more dynamic back. I, I just think it says a lot that you get a new coach coming in, a guy like Allison who hasn't put up big NFL numbers, but Coach Smith sees the potential and wants, like, dropped Edo Smith this year. Who else did we get rid of? Like, they kept Allison around, and I suspect it's for a reason that he's untapped potential.
0: I mean, I don't think he's even going to see the field that much anymore. I mean, we know Mike Davis and Cordwell Patterson are going to be leading this unit anyway. Do you like who's who who are the other backs
1: on the team? Well, that's what I'm saying. I was surprised it was just the three of them. Like, I, I, I thought Huntley was going to make it as the no, number four running back.
0: You know, there are times I do remember when he did see some action where he was effective in short yard scenarios. So maybe it's kind of like Davis is the lead, Patterson is kind of your gadget back. Who can also run, and then maybe Allison comes in there for those really tough short yardage opportunities, maybe. But I just, I just, I don't know. I worry about because I mean, there's a whole article about he's learning how to run again. He seems like he's a very limited back in terms of that. He's never been a great pass catcher. He's only really seemed effective in short yardage situations. Huntley was just exciting. Man, he runs with a head full of steam. I really liked seeing what he what he did this year. Yeah, he's inexperienced, but I think he has more upside than Allison. And, you know, this, this, this debate may not be over because, you know, something could happen during the season where maybe Huntley does get an
1: opportunity. Yeah, it was good that he was able to clear waivers and get on the practice squad. I was surprised
0: no one was going to pick him up. He, he was, like, the only person in the preseason that did anything. That's not true, but that's how it felt, at least with the uh, the offense.
1: Yeah, a, a lot of a lot of fans liked Huntley, so it's good he's on the practice squad, but I, I don't think there was ever much question there was going to be Allison over Huntley, like – Huntley's going to put up bigger numbers because he gets all the carries in the preseason. You know, and was
0: dis- rookie. Was there a discrepancy between the number of carries that um, Allison got versus Huntley?
1: There was a large. I, I don't. I don't have the numbers in front of me, mm-hmm. but Allison didn't even play every game. Just cause he's like, you know, it's like Calvin Ridley not playing, not to the same extent. <laughs> right.
0: No, I get what you mean, no. but yeah,
1: it's just probably, just like you said. I can't read too much into Josh Rosen looking good.
0: Um, Fair enough. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I'm just saying you could just tell by the way Josh Rosen throws versus Felipe Franks. Oh, yeah, there's night and day Josh Rosen is an actual viable backup NFL quarterback. Especially
0: on that play, the touchdown pass, which was just seemed like it was broken from the start. He's just like off balance, just slinging that ditch into the corner of the end zone. That's cool.
1: And his first, I mean, there were drops all over the place when he was in there. And like his first, the first drive, there's like a fourth or fifth string tight end that was wide open in the end zone, but just didn't know to stop. Yeah. And it would have been a a second touchdown for him. So
0: I think we can agree on one thing, Adam. The depth on this team is questionable at best, absolutely horrendous at worst. Um, You know, the guys who saw the most action in the preseason were pretty awful uh, by and large. Offensive line was abused, defensive line, yeah. No one did anything to really you know get you moving. Huntley was one of the few guys, maybe it was just an attachment I got to him week in and week out, but he's one of the few guys where I was like, oh, it's not even though I know the first game he didn't really do much. But it was nice to see, I don't know, just a running back be able to play competently. Even if it was in a meaningless game. One thing we haven't talked about is uh, Kyle Pitts getting his uh, first action of the preseason. Yeah, that was sweet. So the uh was a number four. Overall pick, first round pick for the Falcons. Hadn't seen the field yet. I know Arthur Smith had been saying we didn't want his first action to be against the Eagles. he wanted to get him in for at least a series against um against the Browns, and he did. Caught a little terrible pass from Franks. Not terrible, but it's just a short pass, you know, it's like three, four yards. And when I talk about preseason overreactions, i never seen a tight end move like that where he got the ball and just burst up the field. Broke, like, two or three tackles. Turned into a 27-yard gain, I believe. And um if that didn't get you excited, I don't know what will.
1: Yeah, he covered the ground just, like, so quickly. The well, way he
0: turned after he caught that pass, too. It's it just was like, shocking. Jesus. And, and I
1: feel like that's the first... Because Coach Smith has shown us, like, nothing in terms of the playbook. I feel like that's, like, the only play that was, like, really, like, scripted. Uh, obviously, they just wanted to get him into open field. Yeah. And, and see what he you know, there do. was a man in motion. It opened it up. And, like, that. that is what we're hoping to see from Arthur Smith all year to get a guy like that wide open. And I, f- I think that was just to get, you know, get Pitts comfortable. He's been on the field now. He's got his big play. He's ready to roll for week one. Yeah. We, we don't need to see more.
0: No, that was that was more than enough. Um, and those, those Browns defenders look silly. I mean, he's just breaking through them like they were, you know, children out there. Uh, it, was, it was quite impressive. But before you know it, it's all done, and he's off the field. And, yeah, we don't. Yeah, you're exactly right. We didn't really need to see him at that point. Um, now we start going to the regular season and facing the Eagles week one. We know nothing about the Eagles. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we'll be talking to the Eagles podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network to get the inside scoop on Philly and seeing what's been going on in their preseason, what their expectations are, and um, especially for week one, seeing how they match up with us. And at least, Adam, if nothing else, it's the beginning of a new era for the Falcons. The Fontenot-Smith era is underway. The Quinn-Dimitrov era is a thing of the past. And at least it's something to look forward to. Even if the Falcons win like five games this year or whatever, I just have another shitty season. As long as we can see some growth from young players and we see that Arthur Smith can can coach in, in big scenarios... Uh, at times even if you know we don't come through but at least like the game plan solid as long as we can see some progress this year i don't need to go to the playoffs i don't i don't i don't don't need to win the super bowl or anything this year i mean you want to do that but i don't think it's realistic at least to win the super bowl this year maybe you sneak in the playoffs somehow but we just got to see some progress from this team we need to see a more well coached team We need to see a more well disciplined team we need to see a team that has a future more than anything in my opinion
1: and good news for you georgia bulldogs fans there's a bulldog on the team this year, Cameron. Nazialek won the punting competition. I know that was a big thing you were watching. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. So that's that's the big reunion of Atlanta legends, Cameron and Way. So we got that going for us. Oh yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the legends. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, I'm 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 excited about the season. I I think it's. I, I like everything I've seen from Arthur Smith so far. I think we gotta trust these guys until they show us that we shouldn't trust them. Yeah, he's as, got as, as Dan Quinn did. They've got a long leash.
0: They got two or three years, to me, to be able to to turn this into a a, a
1: contending team. And I mean, there's the, a lot of the rookie. All the rookies made the roster, which was probably on purpose they're not going to give up on a guy like Darby or the the cornerback we took in the last round that was um Darren Hall he was another one that was a bit of a surprise that he made the roster but it seems like that they've got a couple hits already you know Pitts is going to be what he's going to be and then my boy Agunda Jay the D end he looked really damn good in preseason as well I know I know you're a big preseason guy if a guy looks good in preseason you you go all in on him. Grandma. oh yeah mr huntley there Mm -hmm. so you you should like what you saw out of a gun j as well right
0: yeah i wonder where he's going to slot in in terms of the depth chart um i think the defensive line outside of davidson and jarrett is wide open um anybody could 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 compete for a starting job that's how bad the defensive line is so i mean
1: i'm all for Bullard looked pretty good as well that looks like a kind of by low signing of a veteran. Yeah. He he had an impact out there as well. I know
0: Jacob Toyote mariner is also a guy I want to keep an eye on because strictly of that one play he made last season where he, like, got a sack, stripped the quarterback, and then picked up the fumble and, and, and ran it. Uh, didn't run it back for a touchdown, but, he, you know, he made an impact play on defense. It was the best play that a Falcons defensive end has made since um, probably the days of John Abraham in terms of just pure athleticism. So... I don't expect him to be an absolute monster, but I would like you know, he didn't really do much for the rest of the season. But that one play was nice. Maybe he can build on that. I don't think he really did much in the preseason or he got too many opportunities. He seemed like he was a he was a lock to uh, make the roster. Your boy Dorian Etheridge also made the roster, which I know you were excited about after he, he what, he got like eleven tackles or something in I think the second first yeah, he, or second he, preseason. He was there game. pretty
1: much every game looking solid. Yeah, so that
0: I think strengthens an already I would say the best part of our defense in terms of a unit, the linebacking core. Um, so that, that that's good to see.
1: Your boy Willie Beavers made the practice squad as well. He was the O-lineman a lot of people thought would make the 53-man. So maybe with the injury he gets called up as well. Mm-hmm.
0: And Hennessy's is definitely going to be the center. We'll see how that – I'm, I'm going to be watching that with great interest to see what his protection schemes are like and things like that. Um. But, man, this, uh, this secondary just scares me. You got Fabian Moreau, Isaiah Oliver. We lose Sheffield now. Um, Terrell is obviously a guy you're looking to see some big advances with this season. He needs to be able to lead this this young young cornerback group. I mean, you look at um, who's going to be on the roster. It's it's like, man, this is such a young secondary. Um even though I know the safeties are not exactly young, but the corners
1: are. Moreau's a veteran, five-year veteran.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's still not, he doesn't have like a ton of experience or something. It's like we got like an eight or nine-year vet back there who knows what he's doing, who's you know proven to be a, a viable option in the league. Like everybody's kind of, you know, I think Moreau might have the most service time out of anybody on the team. So. In the secondary. In the secondary is what I'm, what I'm saying, and the, on the unit. Yeah. So.
1: Harmon's a nine-year vet. Yeah, Harris and Harmon. Harris and Harmon. Yeah, okay. I mean
0: they're 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 oldsters. We know, at least based off their scouting report, that these guys are kind of just you know they'll be here for a year and then you know I, I imagine we will be uh, looking for more safety help potentially in the draft coming up. I know we drafted
1: Rich, Richie, Richie Grant. Richie Grant. Richie
0: Grant. Excuse me. Yeah. Jalen Hawkins
1: showed a lot in preseason. Second-year player. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know. Some of these young guys are going to step up and we'll be pleasantly surprised. Some will suck. But let's just hope we don't have any Tack McKinley's or Fick Beasley's in this first draft class.
0: Yeah. God.
1: That's all you can hope for as a Falcons fan.
0: I don't know. Which guy do you, I wouldn't
1: say dislike, but which person are you more disappointed in? Probably Tack was just, because fr- he never really popped off.
0: No. But he had moments where you where you'd see like I, can't, I think it was his second year where it seemed like he would get close to the quarterback like six or seven times he every single play, play almost. Yeah.
1: But he would like never actually bring him down, and yeah. then he just like kept doing that for the entire rest of the season.
0: Yeah, and then he, he couldn't stay healthy, and then he never really had like a big game or anything. I don't know. There was never any real momentum for him to to build off of.
1: I think he actually made
0: a roster. Believe it or not, that's surprising. I would assume Vic Beasley's out of the league at this point. He's with the Browns, yeah. Browns, okay. Did you read the Arthur Blank article on The Athletic?
1: I did. We're never going to be done with Julio Jones, are we? I
0: don't know why we have to keep going back to this, but I I guess we have to mention it. Big interview in The Athletic with Jeff Schultz and Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank goes into detail about how, you know, the relationship with Julio had soured since the contract negotiations, and he was perplexed as to why Julio still – You know, I mean, he was made the highest-paid receiver in the league. He still wasn't happy, and ever since then, things really deteriorated. And how basically, with Arthur Smith coming in, wanting to establish a work, you know, a a a culture based off of work ethic and not about past success, and uh, wanted you know everybody to practice a lot, which Julio, as we know, especially the last five years or so, was not about. Just wasn't going to work. Um, and there were probably other reasons. And he also said something that was interesting to me. He said there's other people in the building. He didn't say any names, but that were also kind of tired of Julio's shenanigans. I don't know if that was, those were other players, other members of the coaching staff. But um, and it makes me sad just to see kind of just hearing more about this and just hearing about the t- deterioration and, and, and everything else. It doesn't really give you a lot of things that are, are new in the story, but it just kind of reinforces just how – it, it just makes Julio look like the bad guy. Gets paid the most. Gets a, a contract extension when you have, like, wait, two years left on his contract. Yeah. Maybe even
1: three. Make, makes him the highest-paid receiver in the league.
0: Yeah, and he's still bitching? I don't know, man.
1: Yeah, it. I mean, and granted, we haven't heard Julio's side of the story. I don't know if we ever will. But, yeah, he. he we've always, like, said how Julio's not one of those diva-wide receivers. But... This sure makes it seem like he was. Yeah,
0: maybe he, he's not in the sort of prototypical way, talking a lot to the media. He still seemed like, I mean, Grady Jarrett was also interviewed by Jeff Schultz, and you know he was saying Julio was still a good teammate, and just things didn't work out. I don't doubt that Julio was still a good teammate, but it seems like he was a diva in a different way. If you get paid the most at your position in the league at the highest, you know, he was literally paid as the world's best receiver, and you're still going to complain about that? It just says a lot about about you to me, and there's nothing good that you're saying about yourself when you when you conduct your business that way.
1: The other big part of that article was Arthur Blank addressing using the phrase "Falcon for Life," <laughs> yeah, and how he's never going to do that again. So I think, I think
0: he listened to this podcast a number of times over the years. Right.
1: I mean, I, I do certainly remember us having like this conversation of like not just with what is Arthur doing, but like why is Julio like what's his deal like why are we giving him this money right now with two years left on the contract? Why, what is he upset about? He got paid. Like it just doesn't not nothing. There's gotta be more to the story. Yeah. Uh, I'm ready to move on. I, I appreciated the part about Arthur Smith, just like, you know, not really wanting to have anything to do with that. He just wanted to cut the cord, which is something that would have been tougher to do if Dan Quinn was still here. And, uh, Arthur also addressed not firing Dan Quinn earlier. And just went back to that six and two finish from what was that twenty nineteen? Yeah, I hate that shit. Yeah, that, it's like
0: well, you started two and six. So you know. so that sucks. Um, it's just such a poor way of looking at it. it. Doesn't make him look any better. That's for sure. Yeah,
1: but still love Arthur. Makes that article made me feel like he was like my old grandpa. That's just you know upset by things that have gone south. But still still great for the city. Still yeah. loves his teams. Yeah, he just wants everyone to succeed. Yeah. Maybe he's losing it a little bit. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I've been pretty critical of Arthur's decisions for a while in terms of how the Falcons are run, his insistence on the retention of Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn after they've proven time and again that they were not the right people for this job. I think that's the biggest regret I have about Arthur Blank's um, ownership, and I think he's done overall a great job. He made the Falcons relevant. Um, We don't get that fancy big-ass new stadium without him. Um, And you know, without without Arthur like the Falcons franchise didn't turn around until he took control of the team. Um so you gotta respect him for that in terms of all he's done for the community, all he's done for the the, the city, um, all he's done for the organization. It's just he is so he makes Brian Snicker look disloyal, with how loyal he is to his guys. Yeah. And that, and he is and you can argue if Snicker's loyal to a fault, but I don't think anyone can argue that Arthur Blank is not.
1: I I really appreciated some of the, as I look through this article again, so he's talking about the decision to hire an offensive-minded coach versus, you know, Jim Mora, Mike Smith, and Quinn were all defensive coordinators. And he talks about, he says, at one point we had a running game that was consistent and efficient, and it's become clear that when you can't run the ball, even when you score points, you can't contain the other team. You can't keep putting your defense on the field. You can't close out games, which has been a big problem for us. So, like, He's aware of all these issues, obviously. Yeah, right. Uh, another thing that was attractive to me with Coach Smith was his success in the red zone, his background and emphasis on the running game, and his his scheme sold me. Some of it was Derrick Henry, but not all of it. So Sandy saying he feel, feels good about our offense. If you run the ball, you control the game, you control the clock, you go back to the Super Bowl, it's 28-3. If we never threw the ball again, we would have had an even higher percentage of chance to win that game. Hmm. You know? Yeah. So it's not like he doesn't know this stuff as right. much as no, we do.
0: He's he's not he's not an idiot. But
1: but just, yeah, I mean you got to think like once we got past, past the Michael Turner days, I feel like that's kind of when the defensive issues really cranked up because they're on the field all the time, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, we also just didn't have great defensive linemen. I mean, and John Abraham left the, after the same season our best, you know, defensive end maybe ever. Yeah. Um and he was always the one guy who would make a play, a big impact play in a game. And we, we lost that. We haven't been able to, you know, even when Vic Beasley got his fluke, you know, had his fluke season, the Super Bowl season, where he got like 14 sacks or whatever, you know, he was never able to replicate that kind of production again. No. So, yeah, we've been missing, yeah, pretty much since Michael Turner and John Abraham left, the defensive line and the running game haven't been great, although Devontae still had great years. Like that year of Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, Beautiful. But you know it, it hasn't been. Also,
1: that's Kyle Shanahan.
0: It's also idea. Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. But you also had two good running backs. We still haven't had a good defensive end since John Abraham, right. like a game changer, game record asshole defensive end. We haven't had that.
1: How about your boy Devontae getting cut by the Saints after shitting on the entire city? I Atlanta? love it. <laughs> I will
0: say it right now. Up yours, Devontae yeah. for life for right. saying, "Oh, I was always a, I was always a Saints fan. I'm happy to be here." It's like,
1: it's like, dude, this is the one city you, you had man. any success. We embraced you. We yeah. paid you, even though you requested that during the Super Bowl, and you and, screwed us. And like you're a shell of yourself. Like that happens with running backs. It's fine, but it's like, move on, dude. You're not an NFL running back yeah, anymore.
0: You don't have the right to run your mouth at this point. You haven't been relevant in five years. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. Maybe yep. four years. Whatever. Regardless, we don't live in
0: the past, though, right, Graham? We try not to. Although sometimes it's hard. Got to look forward. Yeah. And uh, I think we'll quickly touch on Hawks news. Hawks uh, center Clint Capella signs a two-year extension worth like $43 million or something, so that extends him through 2025. I like that quite a bit. Capella's a a big piece of this. uh, He's a big reason why we we went as far as we did last year.
1: Do you think it's the Schlenk playing chess?
0: Oh, so you think there's something beneath the surface? Trade bait.
1: You don't draft a Congu at number six overall to have him be a backup. So for you, the next five years or whatever. So would
0: you trade Capella or Okongwu? Capella, probably. In a couple of
1: years. Maybe. He, the, the, then he's got a good, attractive contract.
0: Yeah. Know? It depends on Okongwu's development. I, mean, I
1: guess you see how it goes, but, like, yeah. you're not going to have... It gives you options. You're not, exactly. You're yeah. not going to have Capella and Okongwu for the next five years. Probably yeah. not. But so,
0: I still think it's a good move. Because yeah, I mean, if, if Okongwu doesn't work out, then you got Capella, Capella there. Capella's still
1: relatively young. He's, like, 26. Yeah.
0: yeah. He's, he's And he... You know, there were times I was critical of Capella in the playoffs this year, particularly, like, I feel like sometimes he just got manhandled in the post. But he's the rebounding champion, objectively, got the most rebounds in the league. And he played good defense overall uh, throughout the season. And and, uh, and, and during the playoffs, I mean, there were a few games where he, he, he was beaten up a little bit. But also, you know, Joel Embiid's such a freak. That is, it's so hard to contain him, but he he's a big reason why we got where we got. And I'm glad he got his extension, and I think that's fair. So Who years
1: 46, yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, 27 years old for the stat checker, um, but yeah, but still so. still young enough, but could definitely be the schlank. playing chess. And the last little thing I had on my Hawks list was I just wrote Ben Simmons. Shh. You have any interest in him coming Hell here? No. I don't either. Like especially if you have to give up. You have to give up reddish Herder. Capella. Capella. <laughs> you, have, you have to give up a lot. And For a guy that plays the same position as our superstar and can't shoot free throws you'd be or threes. Tr- essentially trading
0: defense, or excuse me, you'd be trading offense for defense. And while I agree the Hawks need to improve their defensive game, I still don't want a guy who's afraid to dunk the ball in, in game
1: seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Now that, I can say, is not killer championship instinct. That. Is 100%. That is
0: proof. Yeah, that is like the antithesis of even com- competition. That's like, I don't want to be here. It's not the guy you want on this team. Yep. 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 And he's kind of screwed his trade value because he's already said to the Sixers that he's not going to report to camp. Oh, yeah, he's like, he, I'm out of here. He
1: screwed the Sixers. It doesn't matter to Ben Simmons. He just wants out. But yeah. Oh, like, that's true. Yeah. He doesn't care about his trade value. He just wants out. Yeah. Like people, teams still want him, but now. They're going to screw the 76ers. So. Yeah. They were asking for way too much, so now they're going to have to come down. Yeah. So. Or, excuse me, they're going to screw the 26ers because they blew that 26-point lead to us. Oh. Oh. I saw someone on Hawks Reddit say that we we broke the process. We did. Yeah. We did. If life for the series against the Hawks, Ben Simmons' stock doesn't plummet like
0: that. No. And who knows? They might beat Milwaukee. You never know. You never know how two teams are going to match up with each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we completely destroyed their process, and I and I love it, and I just love the revenge against Philly sports because they they just kick our ass a lot. It seems like um, especially in playoffs, like the Eagles always beat us. You know, it's like it was so nice to just, especially being s- such an underdog to beat the number one seed in the playoffs. Man, can't doesn't get much better than that.
1: Very fair, Graham. Very no. fair.
0: And I think this wraps up this elongated episode of Atlanta Zone, Adam. And uh, we want to thank everyone out there for listening, and we will see you next week for all of your Week 1 coverage for the Falcons' continuing discussions on the Braves. And if anything happens with uh, the Hawks, we'll let you know. And maybe we'll talk about Lane United next week. Maybe we won't. It's something that, uh, you know, we get we get to when we get to. So
1: well, There's not much else going on. No, there's not.
0: Well, until then, folks, take care, and we'll see you next time. Rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta, Hospitomusip.
1: Hospitomusip. Also, Graham, you're getting your wish. Jock Peterson's batting lead off tonight. Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, But we did get to see. Eddie Rosario, he made his his debut in that series and he, he was the the trade for the great Pablo Pandaval from the Indians. <laughs> Pablo Sandoval. Oh jeez. Pablo <laughs> Pandaval <laughs> <laughs>